Hello, my friends. Uh, this piece took me a little bit longer to write than normal. Um, I think I had a lot of like kind of threads to unravel around it. Um, but I think it's a piece that will resonate with a lot of moms. And so this is called the sea of mom guilt. I have been exploring that all encompassing phenomenon called mom guilt lately. Maya, my youngest is growing up seemingly overnight. I find our relationship shifting and morphing from the attached at the boob togetherness of that first year of infancy to the less attached togetherness of that not quite a baby, not quite a toddler phase of massive exploration and growth. Instead of the peaceful couch and bed bound moments together staring into each other's eyes, there is more of an active watching from the sidelines feel to mothering. This is the, fra- the phase where I say a lot of, does that feel safe? Or I won't let you do that instead of just having her be passively another bodily appendage. I have been feeling a deep heartache nostalgia for the fleeting stillness of the infant stage. I asked myself, did I relish the weight of those little bodies pressing against mine enough? I have this incessant fear coming back around and around that I am going to regret something I'm doing now. There is this ever-present worry that I'm missing something or that I've already missed something. I'm not sure what, but when I find out, I'm sure I'll be kicking myself for a lifetime. We go anywhere in public with my two daughters and total strangers come up to my husband and I. Enjoy it. It goes fast, they say with a desperation I recognize. There is a part of me that is trying so hard to heed this advice. I feel frenzied by the prospect that I might not be soaking it all in enough. It is no secret that I am tired. Some days I just want to lay on the ground and say, I give up and stop trying so hard to saturate myself in this phase of parenting. I find myself dreaming when I won't have to do everything one-handed with a 30-pound baby on my hip and when my children can actually tell me what they want. Maya growing up and giving me more space means that I have gotten to start having more alone time with Alma, my oldest, again. I'm flooded with memories of when it was just Alma and I. The sweetness of playing together, the amount of attention Alma got as a baby is something that Maya will never know. I find myself feeling guilty for how little time I've spent with Alma one-on-one in the years since Maya's birth. The second Maya was born, I felt the shift. Everything changed. I knew that me as the mother of one child would never be again. And from that moment on, I would always be the mother of two children. Being a mother to one child is radically different than being a mother to two children. Being a family of four is radically different than having than being a family of three. And I'm sure it continues on this way the more children you have. Each new birth of a family member, an entire rearrangement of the mother's insides, brain, and body. There is an innocence to being a first-time mother. I had this bravado about it and this audacious certainty of the way I was going to do things being the right and best way. I took on first-time motherhood like a young knight going into his first battle. And through the many battles of sleep deprivation, learning to breastfeed, constantly being slapped in the face by all the ways my expectations did not meet up with reality, with the reality I was experiencing, I was carved into a wiser mother warrior by my second time around. There's that smile and shake my head quality of love for myself as a first-time mom as I look back on it. The first year, that first year with Alma was so entirely earth-shattering for me. We learned so many lessons the hard way. 
And yet Alma's medicine for me from what I learned throughout my pregnancy with her to the lesson she is currently teaching me as a toddler is always about lightness, enjoying life, and being present with what is. Maya came into our world and turned it all upside down again, but I came into being her mother with less expectations, less hard-held beliefs, and more flexibility. Maya's lessons for me have been harsher and more challenging in a lot of ways. She's required a deeper maturity. Her medicine is more confronting and so potent. She has taught me about anchoring into myself and my needs. She has taught me to put down ideas about right and wrong and instead to actually move with what feels true for me and for her. She teaches me to love the parts of myself I want to avoid the most. She has made me a wiser warrior. And with this type of wisdom comes more softness, paradoxically. I have so much more understanding for all the ways in which a woman might mother. I am less judgmental and more accepting, seeing each woman's path to motherhood as her own. And yet I feel guilt around it all. I feel guilt for the ways I mother. I feel guilt for the ways I don't mother. I feel guilt for the ways I spend time with my girls and for the ways I don't spend time with my girls. If I'm not careful, this mothering thing can turn into a merry-go-round of ways to feel remorseful. And from my conversations with other mothers, this is pretty typical. We seem to be swimming in a sea of mom guilt. Mom guilt is very compelling, and I'm not going to say I don't get swept up and taken out into into the sea of mom guilt quite often. But what I know for sure is mom guilt does not come from my wise woman mother self. It comes from a more reptilian part of me, a more survival-based part. Mom guilt comes from a deep primal love and desire to do right by my children, and that is beautiful. But being taken out by mom guilt isn't actually in service to my children or our children. And letting the mom guilt take us over and over again actually makes us less present and takes us away from the expansiveness that motherhood offers a woman. Mom guilt is not the truth. It keeps us small and fumbling around in the dark when the truth is we know. The truth is our children chose us. The truth is each and every child has a journey to walk for themselves that won't always be pretty and easy. The truth is I have a role to play in their growth and it won't always be the role of fairy godmother. It may be the evil queen at times. The truth is we can trust our children. We can trust their souls. The truth is we know exactly how to mother our babies. When I tap into my wise woman mother, she says, the She says, these two girls have absolutely everything they need. She says that I'm doing my best. She says that motherhood does not have to be about martyrdom or sacrifice, but an opportunity for expansion of my experience as a human. It offers a type of expansion that no other experience can. As long as I keep that top of my mind, I can't make her own move. She says that motherhood is growth for the mother, her children, and the community in which they all grow. And so the sea of mom guilt is a place where I will no doubt find myself from time to time, and that is okay. It is part of the transition from maiden to mother, instead of thinking only about myself, am I safe, to expand that into are we safe and beyond. Motherhood is an experience of interdependence. And to see that gift for what it is, and start to use the wisdom and insights this perspective bestows upon us is some of the medicine the world needs most. So that's that piece, pretty long one. I would love, as always, I would love to know what lands for you, what you think really like stood out. Um, 
I'm trying to feel into if I have anything else to say about this. I think the thing that I wanted to land and that I'm feeling like about this piece is just how mom guilt is totally normal and totally natural and totally human thing, but that it's when we get caught in it, when we when we really believe it, when we really let ourselves be taken out by it, which I have let myself do. Um, that's why I'm writing this. <laughs> um, it's it's not actually in service to our children. I find myself feeling so guilty about so many things, and then that guilt is actually taking me away from being present with Alma and Maya when I do have the time or when I am present. A lot of a lot of the time, you know, I feel so tired and I've been having this insomnia and having two babies is just a lot. And there's this part of me that feels so guilty about that, like about my reality, which is just so unhelpful, right? It's like my reality is that I have a two and a one-year-old and that I have this insomnia that's been going on and that they wake up in the night and that you know, they need to be carried and they need a lot from me and anyone who's with them. And that like, that's just true. That's just the reality. And so I think this emphasis on, you know, enjoy it, enjoy it. This is, this phase doesn't go on forever. Soak it up. I think that's so, so true. Like, I'm not saying that's not true. And I, and I do, I, I really spend, um, time with them, really soaking it up and really appreciating all that they are and all that they're teaching me and, and, you know, their uniqueness as these new baby souls in the world, um, and their wisdom, right? Just even they're, they're both very old souls here. So, um, learning from them is something that is my highest intention. Um, but, there's also this juxtaposition of the truth that like, it's also exhausting and it's also a really hard phase. And there's a lot of ways that I would never have expected myself to mother that I have ended up mothering. Um, and one big one that keeps, that really keeps coming up is, is sleep training with Maya. Uh, we didn't do any sleep training with Alma. It was really, really hard the co-sleeping and the not sleeping and the constantly being woken up. And then when we added Maya, a new, a newborn to the mix, and she's also not sleeping and not waking up, we just needed to do something. And so, you know, sleep training is like hexed by so many of the crunchy moms out there. And, um, I didn't do, I didn't do this like typical sleep training where you like let them cry it out. I didn't do anything like that. But we did teach Maya to sleep in a pack and play on her own when she was about eight months old um, because I, I just couldn't, I couldn't handle it. I couldn't function. I was not, I was not a good mother, not getting any sleep. Um, and, you know, the truth is she still will cry sometimes when we put her to sleep in the pack and play and it's still wrenches everything in my body to feel, to see her cry and to not go and pick her up. But I am right there with her. I am telling her I'm right there with her. I am um, connecting our energetic bodies together. I am 
touching my heart to hers by a thread. And, um, and it's the best I can do. And if I, I've tried many, many times to invite her back into the bed, but every time I do, she wakes up every single hour. I'm, a, I'm awake a lot. And the thing is, is that when we put her to sleep in the pack and play and she cries for 10, 15 minutes while I, while I stand there and sing to her and connect with her energetically, but I don't pick her up, then she will sleep through the night. Like she will go to sleep and stay asleep um, and put herself back to sleep if she wakes up. Whereas if I pick her up and I comfort her and I hold her until she goes to sleep and then put her in the pack and play, she will wake up every hour and she will be really hard to put back to sleep. And so there's this way that I know that there's a lot of things that people might say about what that is, is that like she's basically going into like a freeze response and that's why she's not waking up. Um, but I also think that we don't give babies enough credit in the sense that like they can learn to do things. Um, and like if we're right there with them, and this is like unpopular opinion, especially for my probably audience and people who follow me, but we can really teach babies to do things and it's not training them. It's just like we would learn how to do something that we don't like to do too. Like, um, and that actually feels true for Maya and for me. And that doesn't mean that it's true for every baby or even for Alma, it's a little different. It feels different for her. And that's like what I wrote about in this piece. That's what I'm, um, that's what, that's what Maya's lesson for me has been is that these things I've designated as right and wrong and good and bad are just not always true that, that there's a lot more gray and that there's a lot more variation within babies and what they need. And there's a lot more variation within the family and what the family needs and what our family needs to be as healthy as it can be is to sleep more. And, you know, even if Maya slept with us and she woke up every hour and I nursed her and I got her to go back to sleep and I was super sleep deprived. And she also doesn't seem to be that like well rested after that type of a night because I've experimented with it a lot. And so I feel like there's this way that I'm like, I'm not, I'm not trying to justify anything to anyone because I am as much as I am kind of in, um, you know, I feel a lot of like back and forth on this issue. There is a part of me that is very, very much clear that this was the right thing to do and is the right thing to do for us or else I wouldn't do it or else I would figure out something else. Um, but I just wanted to like, A, share that for my own digestion and my own sharing because I feel like there's a place where I've been feeling shame about this. And one of the ways I know how to open when I feel shame is to share it and to like put it out there and to not keep it in the shadows. Um, and I know that when I share these things, people 
a lot of times are super grateful and I'm not doing it for that, but I know that there's moms out there doing things that maybe they could, they can't believe that they're doing, but they're actually working for them. And, um, and, and it's okay. You know, like, I don't know if it's exactly the sleep thing for you, but maybe it's something else that like, you never thought you would give your kid, um, I don't know, mac and cheese from a box and you do once a week and it's okay. And like, they're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. And it's actually the right thing. It's actually the truest thing to do. Um, and so sometimes the truth isn't, you know, pretty and it isn't what we want it to be. Um, and you know, there are things that, yeah, I wish it was different. I wish that I could sleep with both of my babies in my bed and that I could handle the sleep deprivation that comes from that. And there's like, I just, I refuse to be a martyr to motherhood. I refuse to be a martyr to motherhood. Um, I welcome and happily embrace the idea that motherhood is a growth experience and that it can, that it's expand, expanding and that it's, it's yes. And, and that it's part of my life path and there are zero sacrifices made because of it. And this is part of that path for me. Like it would be a really huge sacrifice to put my mental and physical health at such a risk that was happening because of the sleep deprivation, um, of co-sleeping for me. Um, and so, you know, I feel like people talk a lot about like motherhood, not being martyrdom and motherhood, not being about sacrifice. And then they talk about it in terms of like, you can co-sleep with your baby if you want. And I feel like kind of, I'm, I'm on like this totally different path where it's like, I wanted to co-sleep and I did co-sleep and it didn't work. And I don't feel like I feel some shame about that. I feel some regret about that. But the deeper part of me knows that this is exactly what I needed to do um, to be the best mother and to have the healthiest family as a unit um, overall, because I lead my family's health. This is part of um, my role as matriarch. And I truly do resonate so deeply with that word matriarch. Um, and actually I have something in the works that's related to this. Uh, I haven't quite ironed it out. I feel like I'm holding as much as I can hold work-wise right now. And so, um, it's, you know, it might be a little bit, but, uh, this idea and concept of like leading your family and the, the family being oriented around the woman in this matriarchal structure is what, how I how I live my life and how I, how I want to live my life and how I lead my family. And so anyway, um, that's, those are just a little bit more, some, some more thoughts about this piece and about this subject. And, um, thank you guys so much for listening. I do have a few ways to work with me right now. Home body sessions are one hour with me guiding you into your body as your home and then 15 minutes of digestion. These are 222. You just have to message me to book. Um, I do have one spot for one-on-one alchemical journey. This is 12 months with me guiding you to connect to your most resource self during big life transitions like divorce or motherhood or death, etc. Um, 
yeah, these are generally, you know, people that sign up for this. It's a big commitment financially, energetically, time-wise for me and for them. And so this is a lot of times for people who are feeling like they're in a big sea change in their life and they want support through that. And then I am offering these one-to-one nourishment deep dives. I think I'll do a couple more for the Substack list. This is a 90-minute one-on-one session with me where we'll go over your health history, your current eating habits, your symptoms, your health goals, and I'll come up with a personalized plan for you to implement. Um, you have to be really ready to make some changes to your diet and lifestyle to sign up for this. These are 444 and you can message me to apply. Um, and there will be an option to add one or two follow-up sessions to tweak things or answer questions after this, if needed, when you sign up for that. So those are the ways my offerings to work with me right now. Thanks so much for listening to this and I will talk to you soon.